So last week we were talking about getting ready for Super Mario Odyssey, and we are going to talk about it today.、Mm. Probably this entire episode is completely about Super Mario Odyssey. A quick heads up: there will be no story spoilers until later on in the episode, and we will very clearly mark out that there are spoilers coming. So, no spoilers for the beginning of the show. So don't worry if you're pressing play now. But not only were we getting ready, basically, I think thirty percent of all Switch owners were getting ready. Uh, mm-hmm. Because Nintendo have announced today that Super Mario Odyssey is the fastest-selling game in Super Mario history. Yeah, which is which is、wow. amazing. Yeah, because I mean we're talking here stuff like Super Mario Brothers Three, Super Mario World, and Super Mario Sixty Four. So like, you know, the, the sort of the, the 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 highest peaks of the Mario franchise, and yet. This one has been the fastest selling in history. Not the best selling, but the fastest selling. Which sort of, I think it's in, it's a, it's an indication of just how hungry Switch owners are for、uh, more and、uh, new games from Nintendo. So which, here's, you know, here's an, a, a wild statistic. So it's 1.1 million of those units have been sold in the U.S. 2.6 million Switches have been sold in the U.S. So、wow. close to half of Everybody in the U.S. that bought a Switch bought Mario, and this—I mean, the Switch、uh, still needs to go through its first、uh, Thanksgiving, Black Friday, holiday season.、Uh, this console has been out since March,、mm-hmm. and not only do they have those numbers, you know, the, they announced、uh, this week that the Switch is over seven million units worldwide. But now、uh, Mario is already at basically fifty percent of the Switch owners have the game already, and there's a bundle. Uh, that you can buy with the Switch and Mario, which I assume it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be the the hot version during the holiday season. I know that a bunch of friends of mine,、uh, they they want to get that version,、uh, the Switch and Mario together. I've had loads of people、um, tell me that they've been thinking about getting a Switch, and since, without wishing to give too much away, since last Friday, anyone who'd listen, and that's basically anyone that I could grab. <laughs> Has has been forced to listen to just what a superlative experience this is, particularly dads who grew up with Mario, and they've been saying, "Well, you know, I've been looking for a game to play with my kid," and and I said, "Well, this is it," and they've been looking at me with that look that the likes of us have when someone that we know has recommended something that is above our credit card limit, but we just got to have it anyway, you know, and they know they're going to do it. They know they're going to get a switch. They're just waiting for Thanksgiving or a price drop or Christmas or what or Black Friday, but they're going to do it. There's no doubt that people are going to be buying that bundle in droves. I mean, we spoke about this before、um, with Zelda. Like these sell-through rates are unprecedented. Again, like continuing unprecedentedness. Yeah, it's the tie ratio that's particularly interesting to me. Very few companies are able to get that kind of tie ratio. It takes a phenomenally good first-party game to achieve that, and for Nintendo to have achieved that with two games before the first holiday season, it's just—it's nuts. I—I don't remember it being done before. And there are lots of games available now. You know, like I—I I don't think that this is still a case of just. 
there are no other games available, right? Which I think was what a lot of people were wondering about with Zelda. But, I mean, you know, there are lots of titles available. I mean, it may not be as many as you'd find on a PlayStation or whatever, or, you know, but for, for a console of its age, um, you know, we're like six months, seven months old. I think they, I think I saw a statistic fly by a couple of days ago that says there are 200 titles available for the Nintendo Switch now. Like, there's a lot, obviously a lot of indie games in there, but there's there's more than that as well. And, and so it's interesting that there is still this... Um, there's still this like demand, this this desire to play this game, right? People have been waiting for Mario Odyssey, and that is a just a very very good sign for Nintendo. I mean, plus it helps that it's been rated so highly, right? Was it basically yeah. nines and tens across the board? Yeah, uh, I think it was basically the same score of Breath of the Wild, uh, at least the first couple of days, like on. Uh, on Metacritic, uh, it was I think it was a ninety-seven out of a hundred. Uh, I'm not sure how the score evolved, but yeah, it was basically nines and tens all over the place. You got to bear in mind so. that a large proportion of that uh, fastest uh, buying public did did exactly that without having looked at any reviews. They were pre-orders, day one, day two, yep, that kind of thing. Yeah, a lot of those orders, like you know, will come after the reviews, but they're still not going to. They're still going to be maybe some time away, right? Like people are seeing, like, oh, okay, that's good, or they'll come back to it later. But yeah, a vast majority of the units that they've sold were people that were waiting. I mean, I think Nintendo knew that they wanted to bring in the pre-ordering right before Mario. We, I mean, both me and Federico did that, right? That's now the pre-loading, so it was installed for mm-hmm. me. Midnight rolled around and it was unlocked and I started playing immediately, you know, and and I've been spending an mm-hmm. awful amount of time in it since. But I started talking about the game. I have a few different areas I want to break this down into, like the overall presentation, the gameplay changes, the variability of the styles, and then talking about the story. Um, so the presentation style for this game, the closest thing that it is like to me is something like a Super Mario 3D world. But I've never played a Mario game with such varying environment changes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good point because I, I was thinking about this uh, when I saw your, your note in, the, in our document. Um, so I played a lot of Super Mario 3D world on the Wii U, uh, also in multiplayer mode, mm-hmm. which I still need to try on the Switch. And there, there there's a... There's a difference in style between uh, the Wii U game and the traditional Mario games, and this one, I'm not sure if it's the um, like if it's this difference is more striking in the really new environments like New Donk City. You can tell, okay, this is a very different Mario game. But even in the not so unusual or not so crazy uh, kingdoms, like the uh, for example the the, the you know the, the the final ones um when you get to the to the Bowser kingdom or even the ones in the sky um there's something about them that stylistically it's a Mario game and it's consistent with its own universe but if you compare that to previous titles in the franchise um you can tell that there's something new something fresh about it well i think and what it is for me is all of those previous games by and large they were you know this look, but here it is updated, mm-hmm. 
right? Here it's, is uh, yeah. the underwater level. Here is the level in the sky. Here is the level with the big colorful bricks with the screws in them. Here mm-hmm. is what it looks like when you're in Mushroom Kingdom, right? Like these are the basic level designs and, and ideas and themes that you're used to, but in this new way. But with this game, yeah. it's like it could be anything, right? You could show me these screens when you take Mario out of them. I wouldn't know that this was a Mario game. And that's what makes it so different for uh, me. I feel like the old games were more um, reliant on tropes yeah. of the of the Mario franchise, whereas this one tries to turn more things into Mario universe type of levels. Mm-hmm. Like when you go to the Lake Kingdom, for example... Um, there, there's so many details of like the the way that you go on underwater and there's like different types of fish and dip, different types of underwater monsters i don't know what you call them uh, uh but also in new donk city uh like the way that you transform into a and like a, like a spark when you need to run through the wire um it seems like nintendo has been more uh willing to experiment and to to make more things mario as yep. a sort of a of a quality of being a Mario thing. <laughs> well, I mean, Mario's uh, everything in this game, including Mario's everything in this Rex. game. There's, <laughs> there's almost there's a there's a Kirby like um, nature to this game of yeah. I can transform transform into anything. And w- one of my problems with Kirby is that every time I play one of those games, um, I never really got into Kirby because I struggled to to see the personality of Kirby. But in this one. It's totally Mario. Like, even when you transform into a dude in New Dong City playing with an RC car, or when you transform into a T-Rex, you could still say, okay, this is Mario. Whereas with Kirby, it's kind of, yeah, it can transform into anything, it's fine. I don't know. It's it's hard to put into words. It, of course, you know, when you play the game, you can tell. But <laughs> it's like um, Mario Unleashed. Yeah. I think there's, there's a technical reason also why this has happened. Going back to Super Mario 64, one of the reasons you had stylistic consistency was simply the Nintendo 64 was not very good at texturing. You know, everything was filtered to death. And so you had this very smooth look. But it also meant that not a lot of memory was available. They had to work within the restrictions of quite a small device, quite a small cartridge. And now we're talking about, I mean, I, I think uh, the install size is about, what, four times bigger than Super Mario 3D World? So there's a lot more space to be expressive. And then obviously once it's unpacked, it's going to be bigger still. You know, you've got a lot more memory available. You have a lot more shader power available. And so the effects that they previously weren't able to use on previous consoles, they are now able to use. So... I think what's happening is that things like the cap, you know, it's bringing it. It's absolutely 100% spot on what you said earlier about Mario is everything and that they can bring anything into Mario. And I think if you, if you compare this, it's going to be a really weird comparison. Okay. Compare it with the iPhone. So the vision for the iPhone was that it was always just going to be a piece of glass. I think Nintendo's long-term vision for Mario wasn't that it was going to stay this tiny 2D sprite. He just becomes more Mario, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mario becomes more. That's the other thing. And 
that's what's going to happen every time they have a better machine, more memory, more processing power, better graphics capabilities, and never mind the audio. The audio in this game is incredible. Mm-hmm. Never heard anything yeah. like it. There are touches in there that we'll maybe talk about later because I don't want to spoil it. Um, there'll probably be some kind of spoiler alert, right? You've got your horn on the ready mic. Oh, yeah, don't worry. You know, you're saying about audio. I, I did yeah. want to say one thing. There, there was something that I noticed. Um, there, there are a couple of environments where you go on the water or into liquid for momentary periods of time. And I noticed the audio changing, you know, to yeah. have that kind yeah. of like underwater sound to them. Like like muffled yeah. version. And yeah, I it's noticed awesome. it and I was like, oh, you're so smart. Yeah, and another awesome touch is when you go into the 2D uh, levels yes. and the soundtrack of the kingdom switches to like an 8-bit uh, style, like yes. a cheap tune Chip version. Music. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Let's talk about those 2D environments, actually, because there's quite a lot of those throughout the game. I mean, I think it's one of the two major changes to the 3D world, the other being Cappy, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I find these 2D environments delightful. And and basically, it's you enter a pipe in the game, and then you scale along a 2D surface as an 8-bit representation of Mario. And... I'm so happy to have these experiences contained within this game. The beautiful thing about it is that, you know, this is not a new mechanic. There have been one, maybe two other games that have done it that probably disappeared without trace. But the reason it works so well here is because look at the heritage they can draw on. You have instant familiarity. You know, you look at it, you look at a screenshot of uh, the 2D sections of any of the game. And you immediately know what it's about, what's going to happen, what the challenges are. And then you start to see some of these 2D surfaces wrapped around cylinders and so on. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's when you just start laughing at their genius. Because what they're doing is they're playing with you, of course. They're giving you one thing, and then they're changing it a bit. Then they're changing it a bit again. And then later on, you've got that sequence. Actually, I won't mention that sequence because it'll be a spoiler. But anyway, it just gets better and better and better. And it's because they're able to draw on that heritage. You know, 40 years of Mario is no joke. Think about all of the stylistic references, game references, um, characters, backgrounds, objects they can draw on. Yeah, there are a lot of throwbacks. They they, they play on the nostalgia really well here, as they should. But what I really like, one of the other things I really like is, you know, you can have many costumes in this game. You can buy costumes and just dress up Mario in weird and wonderful ways. And some of them have, like, real gameplay mechanics and, and, and they unlock secrets and stuff like that by wearing the different costumes in different areas. But when you go into these 2D environments, no matter what costume you're wearing, it's also rendered yeah. down into the into yeah. the 2D 8-bit style, which yeah. they didn't have to do that. Like, if every time you went into those, you were just dressed up as red and blue Mario, like, no mm-hmm. one would... I can't imagine many people would have been like, hey, that's not right. You know? I just think no, it's right. one of those things you should kind of just let happen. But I think that the work that has gone into just that is kind of... Amazing, really, because you can also yeah. mix and match those costumes. So yeah. it's not even a case of just like, oh, you're wearing the the costume from like the caveman costume or whatever. You know, you could be wearing part caveman, part sombrero, and it will render it correctly. It's excellent. You know that the thing I love about it is that whole aspect of continuity, and that is what gives it that professional sheen that almost nobody else can get. That 
incredible attention to detail. It's exquisite. You know, if yeah. you if you compare it to a film, an absolutely outstanding film will have one or two continuity errors. And I suspect Super Mario Odyssey will be like that. The reason we don't care about it in other games is because that's the standard. You know, we've grown to expect that there are certain limitations to gaming hardware that mean that when this happens, that happens. And, oh, yeah, that's what happens in games. What they've done is I turned that upside down. The reason it feels so delicious and so it just seeps into you, you know. And the reason it does that is because all of these aspects, these exquisite little details they've paid attention to. I mean, they've taken, what, three or four years to make this game. But if they'd taken 10, I wouldn't have been surprised. It's a work of art. Yeah, there there were a lot of rumors that this game's been done for a while and that Nintendo were taking their time to polish it up. And I think that that shows significantly. I mean, if you take a look at the, uh, as you mentioned, uh, the way that you can keep the costume and not only the costume, but the combination of the hat and the outfit that you choose in the 2D levels or the, you know, the, the, the multiple versions of the soundtrack... And all the like the details throughout. There's dialogue. You can talk to various characters in the game, and all the side quests and all the stuff you can buy. I mean, you can definitely tell that they spent a lot of time on this. And something that I wanted to mention about the 2D levels is, from a from a design perspective, I love the way that um, they blend in with the world. Not just for the like sometimes they you, you there's a combination of which is visually impressive of 2D and 3D elements in the same stage. Uh, there, was a, I, there, was, there was one of these sequences in the um, beach kingdom, um, beach side, whatever it's called. And it's impressive because you go underwater, so you're in 3D, you go underwater and you enter a pipe. Yes. And now you're, you have this top-down perspective. There's the 2D level. So you're watching the 2D level underwater, but the water on top is 3D, and the fish uh, swimming in the water are 3D. So there's this combination of 3D and 2D at the same time, which is visually very visually gratifying and also remarkably impressive. And But it's not just that. It's the way that elements of the current kingdom and sort of the sort of the activity that you're doing in the current kingdom translates back back into 2D because you can capture moons in 2D mode as well. And for example, uh, there was one of these kingdoms that were the the hammer bros, you know, the dudes that throw the hammers. Yep. And I was I was um facing those in 3D. Then I went into a 2D stage and there was the old version of the Hammer Bro in 2D uh, which of course has a different you know, has a different mechanic, has a different uh, way that it jumps and moves and I thought that was a really awesome touch and it sort of plays to the idea of the heritage of Mario that is able to seamlessly uh, move from this 3D sort of new take on the genre and on the franchise to the 2D style, which everybody remembers, which is old, but that somehow is consistent with everything else in the in the in the 3D world. Uh, again, it's so much polish and so like the uh, we often mention like the attention to detail when it comes to, to Nintendo games, but in this case, I think there's been even more attention than say stuff like Breath of the Wild or Metroid Prime. It's seriously impressive. You know what I really do think that the technical superiority of the Switch to previous Nintendo consoles has allowed them uh, to express themselves in a way that they've not been able to before. I mean, not just with the whole Mario is everything and everything can be Mario aspect of it, but just that extra professional sheen. I think that, that extra technology has really helped them 
to achieve what they wanted to achieve before. And I mean, Nintendo is, you, you, can, you could argue that they sort of started dipping their toes into, into HD gaming just a few years ago. Because, I mean, Sony and Microsoft have been way, way early to HD gaming on consoles, at least many, many years before Nintendo, which, you know, uh, I think the Switch is probably the first true 1080p console <laughs> that they did in, like, 2017. And But if you if you consider, like, the polish and the... How beautiful these games look on the, on the Switch display and also on the big screen of the TV, it is impressive how they've been able to... Not only to catch up with the competition... I mean, from a few years ago, because of course now everybody else is doing 4K. But it shows that if they want to, from a technical level, they can pull this off. Even with, you know, at this point, of course, they don't have the same capabilities of the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X. But that doesn't really matter after all, because these games look great even in 1080p compared to stuff on the PS4 Pro, because they they, they have other visual qualities such as you know beautiful colors and the use of light and the use of just beautiful elements so let's talk about cappy so cappy is Mm. the big change um in in two ways one is the capture mechanic but also cappy's role for helping you advance through the game whether this is through using cappy as a way to help you move around through jumping and athletics or to use as a way to to defeat villains um one one addition, or I should say, I think for me, a subtraction um, of adding Cappy is there isn't a manual speed change for Mario's running in this game, mm. which yeah. in many, many, even still now, after how many tens of hours I've played this game, I'm still accidentally triggering. I'm pressing Y to run faster. And this isn't a mm. thing that exists in this game, which, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I cannot think of any Mario game that has that has not had this before um, that, that you would use a button to help you run a little bit faster. Uh, that has consistently been knocking my brain. Like I keep getting that wrong all the time. Yeah. I mean, probably Yoshi's Island. You couldn't run, but that's, you know, many consider Yoshi's Island a spin-off, and I'm not yeah. sure if you couldn't run. Game. So it, it, it is unusual. It, it is unusual that you, you cannot hold down a button to run, you know, to walk faster or to run uh, so yeah, I I'm still doing that sometimes, but I've kind of grown used to the idea of using Cappy as a not just to capture you know to to capture stuff like enemies and other creatures. Um, I think this game plays a lot on the idea of Mario can be more athletic now. There's a lot of yeah, and Nintendo knows this that there's a lot of powerful combinations of different types of jumps and you know uh, different combos that you can tie together to reach, you know, like higher platforms or to to discover secrets in the game. I am really, really not good at these at all. No, no. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't. I don't know what it is. Like, I'm not either I'm not remembering the button sequences or I'm not 100% sure of them. But, like, I see people doing this all the time where, like, they'll yeah. throw Cappy out and they'll jump and then they'll do yeah. the long jump and they'll hit Cappy and bounce off. I can't yeah. do it. I it's can't the, do it's it. The stomach, it's the stomach <sighs> jump. I've done yeah. it like twice, and I can't. No. I can't get it right. I you just, you just I, something need to about it. More. It's. It, I don't know no, what it is, but there's something about it that's breaking me. But mm. you don't need to do any of this stuff, though, right? Like I've. I yeah. haven't found 
anything that I've had to do that requires these sort of jumps. They're all, they all tend to be, you can jump really far as a way to save time, or you can jump really far as a way to get some extra coins, or maybe a power moon or something. But I've not, with my inability to be able to perform these jumps accurately, I haven't felt like the game's been holding me back from anything. I mean, if anything, you, you, you're you probably just missing out on those secrets, like those mm-hmm. big stacks of coins yep. that you can only reach through these maneuvers. But that's uh, fine, but though, because there's many other ways fine. for me to make it. Yeah, totally. Uh, but in, in general, it feels to me like... I, I saw a lot of people, like, the first few days saying things like, oh, well, look what I discovered. Nintendo totally did not intend for this to... Like, to you know, this is like a glitch. This is like a hack. No, it's all of this. Nintendo knew perfectly that you could combine all these different types of jumps together. Um, I just got today my official um, guide for Odyssey. It's a UK version. And in the first two pages of the book, there's an explanation on how to combine jumps and how to combine like the long jump, the long jump and the dive jump and... Uh, just throw Cappy again to to increase your distance. There's a there's an actual grid on the official guide showing the distance, like in terms of squares that you can travel by combining different jumps. Oh so Nintendo, yes, totally knew that people were gonna try to quote unquote break the game by combining these jumps together. And I can I can, I I want to say that this is the the first Mario game that has put so much emphasis for me on the sort of almost the 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 it's a sports like aspect of these jumps because yes you could do the jumps in Mario games before i mean Mario 64 you know uh, all those combinations with the N64 controller and also sunshine was not too bad because you could do some of these and then you had the you know the the water thing on your back that could also help but here you can do everything there's like the side somersault there's a, the dive jump there's the cappy jump there's the I'm running then I'm crouching then I press B and I jump again there's all kinds of combinations here which um they're not required to finish the game but if you master those well, it becomes easier and also you get the secrets. So um, that's the thing that I love. It's like if you try something or something comes off accidentally and suddenly you've discovered an area and you think, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. And then you go on a bit and there's a moon. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. Nintendo specifically put there to reward you for doing exactly what they knew you would do, whether deliberately or by accident. There's, um, I, I wanted to ask you guys this. I saw today on Twitter, of all people, John Mayer, <laughs> the, the musician, <laughs> t- tweeting about Mario Odyssey. And he tweeted a link to this, to this article um, about the fact that the greatest strength of this game is the fact that it does not punish you, but it constantly rewards you. Do you think that's a, that's a fair assessment of yeah. what Nintendo pulled, it, pulled off here? I think so. It's definitely it's- more rewarding than Super Mario 64. Mm. definitely leans more towards that this is not a hard game I am at a very hard point right now in the game but the game itself is not hard and your penalty for dying is so small so small Yeah. right you lose 10 coins and go back to a checkpoint and the checkpoints are relatively like frequent Um, and honestly (laughs) Near every checkpoint that I've come across is a way to get back basically 10 coins. 
right? Like, it is not a punishing game by any stretch of the imagination. The your your penalty for dying mostly is a minor inconvenience in the game, more than anything else. I think that's the right way to go. I know that that isn't good for some people. They want more challenge, but I don't. I mean, I felt like this for a long time. I think the time of game over is long gone and should be. There is no benefit to game over in in a lot of video games today, in my opinion. Um, it makes just more sense to just throw you back and, and ding you somehow. There's some games that do it by design, like the Dark Souls games, you know, uh, that the game over is part of the gameplay itself because the, the entire game is a challenge against, you know, super powerful enemies and sort of somehow, you know, the, the, the sadistic element of the game, the frustration of constant game over for some people uh turns into an element of fun i don't get it it's not it's totally not the game for me but you know a lot of people love it but i think especially for the switch the fact that it's both a a home console and a portable one the game over becomes problematic because say you're bringing the switch on a you know on, on on your commute on a bus and you're keep getting the game over well that's not fun at all because not only are you on a bus or on a train surrounded by other people in the morning and maybe you don't want to talk to them but you're also getting the game over constantly so i think um having a real small punishment sort of helps getting the switch into the hands of people when they are on a sort of in a portable context yep uh i I think it's much more much more satisfying to play a portable console that way Shahid, overall, how do you feel about the addition of Cappy to the game from a gameplay mechanic style? The thing I really like about it is that you look at a level and you look at things that initially, given your understanding of the repertoire of Mario's moves, you know are unreachable. Yeah, you, you, you're like, I can't get up there. Like, yeah. I know I can't get up there. Now And now you have two tools. Before you had one. The old tool was solve puzzles in order to unlock areas. Now you have, look at the way the creatures are behaving. What might they be doing that could benefit me, that that I could take advantage of? And you don't slip into that thinking straight away. It takes a while. And then you start to use Cappy more and more. And you think, ah, okay, Ah, okay, That, that gets me across that impossible gap. Or you've climbed some impossible summit and you're thinking, well... That's, that's going to be a bit of a pain getting all the way back. Uh, hold on a minute. Here's a bird. And I can glide all the way to, oh, and there's a little bit of particle effects near my Odyssey. And I can glide straight. Do you know what I mean? Everything is just laid out for you. And it's as if they're they're leading you on a string ever mm-hmm. so gently to your objectives in a way that I've not experienced in a video game. I can't remember the last time it happened. Look, guys. I do not have a lot of time. I have a big family. I have numerous work commitments. I have uh, very little sleep. And I love my work and I love my family. And yet, I've played this video game more than any other in the last, I don't know, five years? And I've only been playing for six days. (laughs) (laughs) This is unsurprising. Because... It is everything that is good about Mario, but more than ever before. And, and I think it, it, they've achieved something kind of stupendous. Before we take a break, I want to ask each of you, with 
with no spoilers, so omitting some some potential spoiler options. Mm. What is your favorite or one of your favorite um, characters that you have been able to embody as Cappy? Mm, well, aside from the ending, I would say either the the bullet bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it's fun to fly around and destroy everything, um, but but uh, I think it's been really fun to to be the um, honestly I think the fish. Uh, what, what's he called? The the cheap cheap. Okay. Because I, I love the I love the way it's so cute. It's almost like a dog in water. It's it's adorable. Yeah. What For me, it's the caterpillar. The caterpillar. It's just beautiful. It's oh, genius. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved it. I, it's very I, great. There are two things about it I'm dying to give away, but I won't until after the spoiler alert. But let's talk about those two aspects of the Caterpillar that make it absolutely, oh, just one of the mechanical and uh, tactile joys of video gaming over the last forever. Um, I'll put a note into our document now. So Shahid's caterpillar story, we can we can leave that in for in a moment. Mine is um, the bird, that little bird with the pointed nose. No, no, no! I hate that bird. I don't know if you've gotten <laughs> that far, Shahid. I, I don't know actually how far you are in the game. Um, but I know that you've you've come across it, Federico. I'm sure. Yeah, I love that little yeah. guy. Get you around to all these little places. Oh wait, you don't mean the the brown like the bird that looks like a dinosaur that flies down and no, glides no. over. No, that's, that's like no, a no. lizard. That thing. That's, that's like a lizard yeah. bird. Yeah, I mean I the, the little is. bird with the yellow beak that you can poke yeah, things yeah. and like yeah, jump around and stick into walls. Yeah. That thing's great. That's, a, that's awesome. Yeah, I really yeah. like that it's one a lot. Super useful. Exactly. <laughs> I explored more of that level than any other level because it was so easy to do. Very useful that one. All right, so we're gonna take a break. We're gonna talk about some similarities with Breath of the Wild, and then we're gonna talk about. Spoilers. Does that sound good? Yeah. Awesome. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Squarespace. Use the offer code insertcoin at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. They'll let you easily create a website for your next idea. And with a unique domain name, award-winning templates, and more, you have everything at your disposal. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that will let you put just about anything you want online. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. They've got it covered for you. Whether you want to create an online store, portfolio, blog, site for your business or your band and no matter what it is that you want to do they have all of the tools quite literally all of them that you're going to need they back it up with 24 7 custom support if you need any help and all of the but so many things that squarespace are award-winning as well as their customer support also their templates as well they're, they're just fantastic you can sign up for a plan today and use the offer code insert coin and get 10% off your first purchase and also show your support for remaster. But just go to squarespace.com and you can sign up for a trial with no credit card required. And their plans start at just $12 a month. And that's insert coin for 10% off your first purchase at checkout. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So Federico, how does mm. this game compare to Breath of the Wild for you? It's very different in the sense that Breath of the Wild has these seamless transitions between 
places. Uh, there's there's no stop. There's no um, station where you, or hub where you go back and you travel to a different place. And this game has, of course, kingdoms. Uh, so it's not a, a continuous transition. It's not like Wind Waker, where there's the ocean in between islands and you need to get on a boat and, and go there. Um, you actually get on the Odyssey, which is the name of the spaceship, uh, and you travel between kingdoms. But it is not, and it's not so, from that point of view, it's also different from Mario 64 or Sunshine that offered this sort of central hub, uh, whether it was the, the, you know, the, the castle in Mario 64 and the town in, in Sunshine. So it's sort of like an in-between um, Breath of the Wild and stuff like Mario 64, because the kingdoms are actually huge. They're much, much bigger than any level in Mario 64. And the kingdoms actually contain levels. So, like, whether you get into a pipe or you go to a different, like, area, like in some kind of alternative reality. Um, actually, there's a bunch of levels inspired by Sunshine, like the 3D pure platform stages. I love those. They're so challenging, and I've always been a fan of those. So, the kingdoms are... In a way, sort of like, this game offers multiple mini-hubs in the sense that the kingdom contains a lot of, like, there's NPC uh, that you can talk to, there's uh, secret levels that you can discover, and they're just huge. There's a ton of walking. There's a lot of walking in this game, and I was kind of afraid that it would get tedious, and I know that a lot, a lot of people did not like for example, the fact that in the you know, one of the first kingdoms, the sand one, um, there's a bit of walking it's that you need to do. It's very spread out. It's it's very spread out, and that can be annoying. But then you also unlock a way to sort of fast travel in the desert. And I, I mean, this game, you can tell that it's obviously been inspired by part of the ideas that were driving Breath of the Wild. But it's also very much a Mario game in the sense of there's no Mario getting on a boat or you don't control the spaceship. You still need to choose where you want to go from a menu. But still, inside the kingdoms, there's a lot more freedom than I remembered from Sunshine and Mario 64 and Galaxy. So I would say Nintendo tried to bring back the sandbox style of Mario games, which according to the company itself, those are Mario 64 and Sunshine, but they try to expand on the idea by making these kingdoms much, much bigger. And I think I'm a fan, you know? I think it, this works for me. I love the uh, that it's not as huge as Breath of the Wild, but it doesn't need to be. I don't think a Mario game needs to be like Zelda, that you get on a horse and you travel and you go on top of the mountains. It's fine to have a menu where you choose which kingdoms to visit, but I also appreciate the fact that these kingdoms are so large, so vast, that, you know, some of them contain, like, hundreds of moons, which is crazy. All right, it's time to talk about spoilers. So we're going to talk about the story now. So if, for any reason, you don't want to hear people talking about the story of this game, whether, you know, you don't ever want to play it, I don't know why you'd still be listening at this point, or whether you just haven't gotten to it yet, or you're going to buy the game later on, you maybe want to stop listening now. So this is your spoiler warning. So, Shahid, what is the caterpillar thing? <laughs> <laughs> the you know the thing I was talking about earlier. That it feels like Nintendo's designers are leading you along. They're one step ahead of you, 
You know, they're not 20 steps ahead of you. I feel so frustrated in so many games. And I've been playing games for decades, as you know, and making them for a long time and signing them for a long time. So, you know, I, I get bored very quickly. But Nintendo have this knack of keeping things just ahead of you, you know, like like the donkey with the carrot in front of its nose. <laughs> I feel like that playing this game. And man, the carrot looks so delish. And this caterpillar, right? I was There was a tree. And on the other side of the tree was a moon and there were four uh, plinths around uh, the tree. And I had a caterpillar and I knew that I needed to reach that. And it only then occurred to me that whereas before what I'd been doing is crossing adjacent platforms and doing them entirely horizontally, they put that tree in that puzzle there to show me right. that the yep. caterpillar could go around it. You know, that would it would curl around it and you could guide and steer it. Well, when I was fumbling around to begin with, it didn't occur to me that that was what was happening. That is a level of game design genius that very few people think through carefully enough. I mean, it's it's not so much game design as level design. So here is a mechanic. The mechanic is actually a subset of the cat mechanic. And the mechanic is you have this caterpillar creature that can extend and can pull back its tail to the point at which it stopped. And it's a safe caterpillar as well. I really like it because if you're not quite on a safe spot when you finished extending, it'll snap back if you try and get off. Yeah, which I is, like that too. You got which a is beautiful. State. Exactly. So, so that was really nice. So you feel safe using it. Then you start fumbling. You cross uh, adjacent platforms, no problem. And then you get to this tree and it's like, oh, hold on a minute. I know... I. Ah, do you know what I mean? That aha moment. Mm -hmm. That has a lot of those in this game. Mechanical level design throughout the game is pitch perfect. Now, talking of pitch perfect, the other thing that's beautiful about it is on that level, I don't know if you remember, there's a kind of eastern sounding musical soundtrack. It's a very lush, tropical kind mm -hmm. of island. Mm -hmm. And when the caterpillar extends, it plays the notes in an eastern scale which I haven't yeah. identified yet. I will. And when it retracts, it plays them backwards. Oh. It's just, it's oh, just such a stunning, stunning touch. And yeah. it took me a few listens before I realized, and this is what I mean by continuity, even the sound that the caterpillar makes when it's extending and retracting is in keeping with the theme of the music, with the background, with the style. Man, that level almost feels humid. It's that well put together. So... Where are you both in the story? Mm, um, I finished the story, yep. and um, there's this awesome ending sequence that I want to talk about, but I've also... Uh, so after you finish the story, you can travel, and you sort of get glimpses of this uh, during the main game, because there's some paintings, again, another throwback to Mario 64, that you can enter, and you can see like a portion of a new kingdom, so I already knew that there was the Mushroom Kingdom with the Peach Castle somewhere mm -hmm. in the game. But after you finish the story, you can travel to the Mushroom Kingdom. And then, once you collect uh, 250 moons, you can travel to the Dark Side. Again, awesome reference of the Pink Floyd album, The Dark Side, because it's the dark side of the moon. Mm -hmm. And you can go there, and uh, there's these insanely... <laughs> uh, I mean, not insanely, but compared to the rest of the game, incredibly which is a relatively easy game, incredibly boss challenging yeah. uh, boss fight that you you only get one life. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no checkpoint. 
Um, so I finished that yesterday, and you also unlock a special outfit when you when you do that. Uh, so I'm running around in uh, with the with the hat of that outfit, but I also uh, bought. Once you finish the game, you unlock the most expensive costume of the game, which is the mummy costume. It costs uh, ten thousand coins. Um, so I unlocked that today, and I'm running around as a mummy with a crown, which is awesome. It's a it's a mummy. It's a skeleton. I think it's not a mummy. It's a skeleton with a mustache, of course, and a king uh, crown. Shane, where are you at? I've got to uh, new what's it city? New Dark City. But here's oh, the man. thing. We're going to spoil so much for you if you listen to oh, this. No, don't worry about it. Okay. Don't worry about it. But the reason is, unlike every other video game since maybe Super Mario 64, I don't know, I've been playing this one with my family. Huh. So I've okay. had to sit there yep. while every single person in my family <laughs> plays their own game and watch, you know, and we've played together and we've overlapped. So like... um, you know, my wife will play some of my game. I'll play some of her game. You know, uh, my son's been playing. He's absolutely loved it. This is his introduction to Mario. Uh, it's just, it's just been constant in our house. I would say, when I say constant, I would say we're spending three hours every single day playing it, except Friday, Saturday, and Sunday when we played about five, six hours each day, and uh, all parallel games. So we've got three. No, four parallel games on the go on the go at the moment. So that's a lot of gameplay time. But because of that, because we've all been alternating and playing each other's games and so on, we've only got that far. But that's what, seven, eight kingdoms in? Yeah, something like that. I spent out of all the kingdoms, I've spent most of my time in Metro Kingdom, which is New Dunk City, yeah. because it's yeah, it's the most exciting to me. It's the most wild. Um, I really love that one. I mean, so I am at um, I've completed the main game. I am into the post game. I'm on the dark side of the moon, uh, and I'm trying to go through this boss fight, which I've been trying at today. It's, it's it is difficult in comparison to the rest of the game. Um but I know I'm going to be able to do it because I got really close. Um, so I've worked out my kind of path through it. So there are a couple of things I wanted to talk about. One, I mean, the story itself is basically the story of any Mario game, right? Bowser has yeah. stolen Peach. But this time, there is at least a reason for it. Like, the reason is he wants to marry her. Like, I don't think that that's ever really expressed. Which is super creepy because it's a forced wedding. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. And he's, yeah, Me and it's the terrible, were saying right? that. It's terrible. Yeah. But he's a monster, though, right? Like, he's a monster. What do you want from him? He's a monster. Of course monster. he's going to do something like that. Also, so Can are... we talk about how annoying the wedding planners, the, the, the rabbits, are? Like, those group, the brutals. Oh, like, I, I didn't, do you know I didn't work out there with the wedding planners? <laughs> yeah, they, are, they yeah. are the wedding well, planners. They're meant to be annoying, right? They're all the bad guys. They're super, super and annoying. And these are like the annoying. mini bosses um, that yeah. are throughout the game that you fight th at different points throughout the game. Uh, and also, what I liked about this game is that you're kind of chasing Bowser through the world, right? Like he, you're always kind of one step behind him. He he's going throughout the the Earth, which is interesting, right? That it's planet Earth with all of these kingdoms on it. I tried not to focus on that too much because it was kind of breaking a lot of what I thought about Mario, the way that Mario works. But anyway. Um, on planet earth there are all these kingdoms and some of them are made of lunch food 
and you're chasing him through as he's collecting up all of the different elements for the wedding. Now, what I really loved at the very end, well, I mean, okay, so when I first land on the moon, sorry, Shahid, when you first land on the moon, I fell in love with this game all over again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that yeah. is just wonderful. It The landing on the moon, uh, not only is it impressive because you don't expect Mario to be on the moon, but uh, the gravity, the lack yeah. of gravity, it it's... Uh, it, Two things I like my immediate reaction was this is awesome because I can make this super long jump jumps. This is so convenient. And second reaction, ten seconds later, oh my god, this is so difficult now. Because <laughs> like, you all, can't all control my... the landing. <laughs> no, so well. no. It, but it's it's a, just a fantastic addition. It's wonderful. You know, there is an area where you can go up. I took a picture of this. There's an area where you can go up and you can see the curvature of the Earth. Like it's just they did a, just a fantastic job of wrapping up this way what i like about the end of the story is uh i, I like it's modern right that that peach is just like screw you guys at the end of it she's just like i don't want to go away via review i'm gonna go live my own life and off she goes to travel herself i really like that ending i'm pleased um about the way that that happened um i like that a lot and of course the the Maybe we won't mention this. I don't want to spoil this for Shahid, but the the fo- oh no, go ahead. No, no, I don't. We don't need to. We it. don't need to okay. because for people right. that have played it, they're going to know what we mean when we say it. I want to cool. leave this one for you, but Federico, I'm sure you'll agree. the The final thing that you capture on the moon is incredible. Like I sent you a text yeah. message full of expletives about how excited I was. Yeah, it's, it's uh, wonderful. It, it it was. It took me by surprise. And the music and the way that the final stage plays out, the tension and also the realization, am I really am I really doing this now in yep. a Mario game? That was that was uh, that was an incredible ending. Um I love the way that it like actual playing the final sequence and I love the the very final se- the very last scene of the story with um sort of Going against the cliche and the trope of Peach being the damsel in distress, mm-hmm. uh, and deciding to to go back to Earth and to sort of leave Mario and leave Bowser on the moon and just and like, I'm I out. That they're See like ya. consoling each other as well about yeah. this. They're like <laughs> like oh man, they're like patting each other on the back like oh, we and tried. I also I also kind of loved the subtext that. Mario doesn't really want to kill Bowser after all. It's like Bowser is always talking about like I'm gonna destroy you. I'm gonna you know this is gonna be game over for you. But if you think about it, like Mario never never really wants to completely destroy Bowser. So it's like in in a way the main enemy of the game is a necessary evil for Mario to exist. It cannot go away forever. It's supposed to be the enemy, but that doesn't mean that he needs to be needs to be dead for Mario to win. It's it's sort of a nice message if you think about it. Like, and it, when you say they sort of console each other, because I I want to believe that the subtext I can imagine like a child playing this game is that even if they're enemies and Bowser wants to do some awful things like a forced wedding, which is super creepy, after all. They are in the same universe, in the same world together as two different sides of the same coin, which is, you know, uh, it's just kind of awesome. <laughs> Can I give a shout out to Bowser? 
Because yes. the one thing <laughs> that I really liked about Bowser in this game is his hat and his bling. He is one yeah, cool he's working dude. It. Yeah. He is working it in this you. game. <laughs> I love that style, the white suits and stuff. Like yeah. it's really yeah. cool. Like, and yeah. you have the amiibo, Federico. Right? I have the ami. I have the yeah. amiibo. It's a pro tip. It's a pro tip. Get the peach wedding amiibo because it gives you hearts, and especially for that fi- for that um, extra post game boss that we mentioned in the dark side, you will need oh, the peach amiibo. You will need the peach amiibo. I used the peach amiibo as I was fighting the final boss. And that's why I was able to get it done, Mike. You make fun of me for all my amiibo, but well, look at me. I got my my final costume and you don't. (laughs) No, you know what? I'm going to do it without the amiibo now. That's what I'm going to do without the amiibo. I'll show you. Yeah, for 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 someone who who's always talking about, I track my time because I need to know how much my time is worth. Uh, I mean, the amiibo cost me like twenty euros. Yeah, but it's, they're not easy to get now. They're not easy to get. Mm, well, That's brutal. Well, this is brutal. <laughs> it's not fair. It's not fair. Uh, look, this is. Uh, I feel like this is Zelda all over again, like because. Uh, I decided, like, I was doing a lot more exploration, and then I decided that, considering Federico had basically completed the game, um, that I was gonna gonna zoom through as well to try and complete it for the this episode, right? Like, I wanted to have mm. us done for this episode. So there's a ton of stuff that I know I have not gone back and collected. Right there, there is a lot of this game oh, yeah. that I still want to go and explore, and it doesn't have that feeling like Zelda does for me, where the side I'm not interested in the side quests because this game doesn't it doesn't really feel like side quests in that way. It's just different platforming levels is typically what you're doing, and that's a lot of fun for me. I like doing that, so I'm I feel like I'm going to be spending a lot of time with this game. Uh, I I really feel like it's this is kind of just just the start of it, honestly. Yeah, I I, I don't think um, I'm gonna spend as much time in this game as 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 I'm doing as I'm still doing with Zelda. And if I had to choose right now at this point in no, early November, I'm still gonna say that Zelda is my game of the year. But this is a this is a perfect second game of the year and i will probably i think before the zelda the new dlc comes out i will be playing mario and there's a still a lot of stuff that i need to collect there's a you know i i ran through all of these kingdoms i want to go back and i want to appreciate them i want to understand their design and also i like zelda which is you know breath of the wild can be a dark and sort of you know um, difficult game like it, it doesn't always relax you in the way that uh, you know Mario can so I want to go back and I want to explore and I want to appreciate everything so I think probably gonna play 70 80 hours maybe we'll see mm-hmm. I'm undecided uh, of game of the year this is really toppled Zelda for me right now like I need mm. to see how it goes and also I mean I will count the the DLC the Zelda DLC so 
I'm willing to see how that goes. But this this game is stupendous. If you're still listening to this, even though you shouldn't have and you haven't bought this game yet, you really, really should. It's yes. I cannot believe I cannot believe that Nintendo have made two games of this quality in the same yep. year. It is an absolute masterstroke from them. And they deserve all of the success that they're getting from this because they didn't just make a really interesting console. They have made two of two of probably the greatest games ever made for mm-hmm. its first six months. <laughs> it's crazy. It it's is crazy. incredible. One last question for Shahid. Do you think Mario should retire? <laughs> <laughs> we told you we told you that's all I, I need to say right now <laughs> I, I asked for it I deserve it I hang my head in shame look guys I never said he should retire so he should become a mascot but I was wrong sure. about that as well yeah you I was never wrong said, about that you never well. definitely never said the word retirement no but you know what after this which i think is the best mario game ever made and i'm saying that before i finished it i think after this he's earned a retirement not again um but i'm telling you after this they ain't giving him it right this is (laughs) they have proven mario still sells mario's always gonna sell 